Welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast, a podcast for farmers and ranchers ready to shift for a stronger future. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful are not. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, you'll hear how producers of all sizes and practices are moving mountains for things they believe in, all in the name of an industry that keeps growing and innovating for a stronger food system and stronger farm families. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to discuss where producers are finding success, challenging the status quo, striving for better, and keeping our heritage alive, all while producing the food we depend on. This podcast is brought to you by Back Pocket Social Marketing. And yes, this is Lexi here. This podcast has been a real passion project for me. All the time that goes into interviewing guests, editing, and producing the show is sponsored by my freelance marketing agency. We specialize in website design, social media advertising, content creation and management, and email marketing. If you like to take a foundational approach to your marketing and figure out exactly what's working for you and what's not, and really focus on efficiency, then you would be a great candidate to work with us. You can reach out and talk with us more at Lexi at BackPocketSocial.com. We would love to help you solve your marketing challenges. All right. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. Today, I have Kristen Harms, or as some of you may know her, the basic ranch wife here today. And Kristen is a ranch wife and marketing specialist on her family's third generation Red Angus seed stock operation. Uh, by day, she manages marketing and social media for Bieber Red Angus, um, which Wonderful job, by the way, Kristen. I have been seeing it in Beaver Red Angus um, like posts and stuff on social media before. And I think it's been several years ago. And like, I remember it that well, that now that we're talking up like, oh, yeah. So um, and then by night, she tells her story as the basic ranch mom, sharing real relatable ranch life from a wife and mom of three um, and soon to be four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So exciting. Um, she uses both her business and personal platforms to advocate for the industry, share the day-to-day of ranch life, and find some laughter in between all the chaos, which I think we all appreciate a lot. So that's the brief rundown. I'll let you tell us what it's really like or the behind-the-scenes story here. Um, and tell us how um, expecting number four is going, all the things that are going on lately with you. Yeah, you bet. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that kind of covers the high points uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, my family, so I'm the third generation. I am the daughter. So my husband also works on the ranch with me. So he is the son-in-law, which um, is, you know, it makes things interesting for him, but he's a really good sport about it. Uh, but yeah, so on the day-to-day, I manage the marketing plan here at the ranch. So we're a Red Angus seed stock operation. We sell registered Red Angus cattle. Um and we're, I mean, pretty well established as far as these goes. So it's well-oiled machine around here. Uh, we kind of are all very, uh, very set and well-known in our roles. And my role is to handle marketing. So I create, do all the ad creation and planning. I um, also do all the catalog creation. So we have about four to five, kind of depends on the year, but um, sales. So uh, cattle options where we sell lots individually. Um, 
around the ranch. So I create all of the catalog marketing materials for those events. And then I'm also on website management and which is kind of a new beast for me. I, I didn't have a lot of experience in that before, but I've been fumbling my way through that. And uh, data management. So because we're a seed stock operation, we rely a lot on data as far as weight and uh, treatment and just all of the things about that. Um, DNA is a big thing that I do. I share that a lot on social media. And so, yeah, it keeps me really busy. And then at the same time, I do actually keep my kids full time. So my two older ones are in school, which helps a lot. But I have a toddler that's here with me pretty much 24-7. And that, you know, keeps things interesting. But it's really awesome being able to bring them with every day and not have to, um, you know, send them to daycare which I know is a luxury that a lot of women don't get. And so I am very fortunate and appreciative for that opportunity. And my parents are also here working with me every day. So they uh, love being grandma and grandpa during the day as well. So yeah, it's, uh, we're, like I said, we are always busy. We're um, just really kind of know our roles really well around The Farming On Purpose podcast is turning a year old, and we think it's high time to invite you into our mission. Be sure to follow me on Instagram for weekly giveaways in October leading up to our one-year anniversary. You can find me at right at the moment. That's right, just like my last name. To get more info on how you can enter the giveaways this month, join us in the Farming On Purpose Facebook group or sign up for updates in your inbox at farmingonpurpose.com. While you're there, check out the new merch we just dropped in the shop. You'll find t-shirts, stickers, and notebooks, all inspired by the people building ag legacies. Thanks so much for being here. That's awesome. Well, you say that you guys have always kind of known your roles or you know your roles really well. How did that come to be? Was that just like something you laid out in the beginning or was it a trial and error situation? What did that look like for you guys? Yeah, so um, backing up a little bit uh, of my background is I grew up here on the ranch, but I had no real intentions when I left high school on coming back. Uh, I was pretty set that I was going to go to college, get a job in town. And uh, my, you know, my parents, my brother, I have one brother. He also uh, has an um, off-farm job and he really didn't have intentions of coming either. So my parents then kind of started down a road of transitioning um, in a different way, you know, not to a next generation. So my husband, Jake, he's from Sioux Falls and uh, does not have a background in egg. And he came, to, you know, I brought him home to the ranch and something just really clicked for him when he first came here. Um, he loved it and he was always wanting to come back and help. Um, I, on the other hand, was still very like, we're not coming back. I had a job in marketing for a large manufacturing company called Raid Industries out of um, precision agriculture department, my department and customer service. And, um, I really liked that job. I felt really stable there. Uh, and, but yeah, Jake, he went to nursing school, uh, decided that really wasn't what he wanted to be doing. He got out of school and started selling websites for a digital marketing company and was really good at that, but was feeling just kind of unfulfilled. And, uh, at some point I can't even give you in a moment, he, convinced me, it must have been a weak moment, but he convinced me that this was what we needed to do uh, was to come back and really give it a shot uh, with 
being the next generation on the ranch. Um, so we did. Uh, I left my job and I was still convinced that I was going to work off farm and he was going to be here doing the day to day. And so at the beginning, our roles were not well defined. I mean, I, I that they are now. We've been back for six and a half years. Uh, so when we first came back and sat down with my parents, we kind of established a well, what we called like a two year trial basis. So for two years, we were going to try it see how it went, see if this was really what we wanted, both of us. And then if at the end of that two years, it uh, just was not fitting or working from both my parents' end and our end, uh, then we were going to be able to part ways, no hard feelings, no financial um, intricate, you know, there was nothing overlapping there. And um, there wasn't going to be any huge transition plans in place, um, which we were both comfortable with. We were both feeling a little bit my parents were obviously feeling a little unsure. Is this guy who's never worked an egg going to stick around? It is Ken Crispin who doesn't really want to, like, has never shown an interest in being here. Yeah, so when we came back, the big thing uh, that we laid out was a two-year trial period. And basically what that was was kind of a cushion for both my parents and Jake and I to find out if this was really what we wanted to be doing. Uh, we we both had skepticism, obviously, for both sides. My parents were a little unsure if this guy who did not have experience in egg really was going to stick around and be committed to the operation. And also me, who had not shown an interest in being back. That was um, scary for them. And then from my end, um, and Jake said, you know, it just felt, um, like a huge life change. We had basically quite able job, sold a house. We had owned a house in Sioux Falls and um, just picked up our whole life, left our friends and decided to come back. Um, and I struggled with that because I, growing up, felt like I really didn't fit super well in agriculture. And I think at the time I was young and, um, you know, a little less experience in life. I've um, come a long way since then and, and discovered that fitting isn't necessarily what I thought it was when I was younger. So um, anyways, we came back and I was going to still find an off-farm job. But in the meantime, I decided to help out in the office. And you can see six and a half years later, I'm still here. So uh, that obviously was okay for me. Um, but yes, as I continued to help more, I, um, did a lot of looking at, you know, financial situation and my parents were outsourcing almost all of the marketing. So they were paying someone to make ads. They were paying someone to maintain their website. They were paying someone to create their catalog. And it, all of that out of, out work was making it, um, difficult to kind of have more control over what we were doing because when you wanted to make a change even if it was a little one it was a lot of work and effort to get a hold of somebody outside of the organization to make those changes um and so yeah and so i um kind of put together a little proposal of what i could do and bring back in-house and the money that would save them that they could then turn into a position to afford to pay me to work here um and, and they, they liked that idea. And honestly, I think it's been an excellent transition, both for them 
and for me because it's something I really enjoy, but also they feel like um, they have more control over the marketing and the, you know, what they're sharing with people and um, how they are uh, getting new formers. You know, we've done a lot of really, um, it, it doesn't sound progressive, but for a ranching operation or an, in an agriculture community, it, it, there was a lot of progressive ideas. Um, and so that's been really good for the operation and also for um, our place here. And for the Jake's side, he, you know, he started at the bottom of the totem pole um, as the ranch hand and he had to learn everything. You know, he knew nothing. And I tell you what, you look at him now, you would never know. He's taking the regular, the game fits so well out there. Um, and he kind of does it all. He will um, pretty much transition into my dad's role, uh, which is, you know, CEO and uh, overseeing just the sales. Um, he does a lot of sales now and he manages the feeding plan for the cattle. Um, just really kind of does it all. And he's really just grown into that really, really well. So yeah, at the end of two years, we um, came back and we were like, this is it. You know, like we feel, we are feeling he finally felt fulfilled. Like he felt like this is what he was meant to do. And it was so awesome to see that was so good for him and so good for us as a married couple as well. And I too felt like I had really kind of sat on a plate. Um, you know, when I was looking for a corporation before that, I struggled with feeling like I wasn't really making a difference. You know, I could do only so much um, because there were so many layers of hierarchy above me and I could only make so many decisions. And I had a hard time with feeling inspired when um, there were so many other people and factors and decisions influencing what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, so I finally felt like I could, you know, be innovative and be creative and do things that really made a difference, even if it was just for our small community or our family or our operation. I still felt like I was making a difference. So that's kind of how we came to be in the roles that we're in. And it's just continued to progress over the last few years. Um, we're really now the last year to two years really starting in on the transition planning. So that's been a whole new level of role um, for us. And uh, that's a little scary sometimes, but very exciting too. So. Well, I appreciate you sharing like the behind the scenes of what returning to the farm and the ranch looks like, because I think so many people just don't know how to even approach that situation. Um, and the, the fact that you guys kind of took a formal approach to it of like you prepared a proposal for this is what my job would be and this is why it benefits you and how it would be a change to what you're currently doing. That is so cool to hear. I think so often in ranching and farming, because it's a family business most of the time, we kind of lose that formality that gives us a lot of that structure to have, you know, just understanding of what our role is. Yeah. I completely agree that family dynamic does, and it's still, um, even for us can complicate things. Sometimes, uh, you, it's really hard to separate emotion and your feelings for the people that you're working with. Cause you obviously care very deeply on an extra level for them from your business decision. Um, but thankfully, I mean, my parents are already kind of had it set up, you know, as far as a ranching 
operation goes, they are very professional and um, really have made it a business. You know, that's one of the big things that they do that I really admire. They have set this up as a business operation and it's not a, um, there's a lot of processes that they have put in place that really make it feel more like a business and less like a, you know, a family branching operation. We, I mean, and it isn't their family. We also have uh, three other guys that work here um, full-time with Jake. So uh, outside. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the way that they have set it up has really allowed for Jake and I to continue on in that professional um, structured process. And I do think that helps things a lot. That's really cool. Um, tell us a little bit more about what that, what other structures and things you guys have put in place or your parents have put in place to make the business side of the ranch a little bit easier. Yeah. So, uh, one of the big things that they have done, and I think that Jake and I have helped with is just a level of communication. Um, we've put in some really nice processes to make sure that um, everybody's informed. So, like for instance, when I came back, one of the things that we put into place about three or four years ago was we set up a Google Classroom setup. So everybody, if you're not familiar with Google Classroom, um, it you can just add everybody's emails in there, and then you're all um, classmates in a in a. Uh, I tried to say a uh, like uh, an online format. And so on there, we can share, um, you know, like when I have catalogs that I'm creating and I want them to look at a draft before I put it in, I will upload a catalog there, send out a note. Hey, can everybody take a look at this by this date? Get me any changes because I am sending to the printer on this date. Or uh, if there are lists that we have, uh, you know, sometimes we need new DNA samples on a certain number of head or we need to look up dms on a certain number of tabs and and you know check are they dry are they you know where are these things happening um so all of those things we kind of put into classroom and then everybody has access to that on their folly and another level of that is we've also implemented google calendar so they um also had the ranch calendar right on their phone so as far as that goes my myself and both of my parents are full-time in the office so Sometimes that can create a disconnect because Jake and the three other people that work at the ranch are outside all of the time. So there's kind of a little bit of separation there. And it can be hard when my dad needs things or my mom needs information or I know something to fear and we are paying them all day, every day and they, and vice versa. There's a lot of times that they need something picked up, a part picked up or they have a job they want to add to a job list, they can go in and do that as well. So there's better communication back and forth, um, which I think is really valuable. And then on top of that, we also have a staff meeting every Monday to kind of go over what's going on for the week. And um, the guys also meet every morning prior to starting the day to go over what the plan for the day is. So Lots of active communication is a really big process that I think is really valuable. Another thing that we put into place is uh, when I came back, catalog requests were kind of a big pain point, in my opinion. So at the time, 
in order for somebody to join our mailing list or get in touch with us, they had to physically pick up the phone, call us, and say, hey, I want a catalog. Here's my address. Here's my phone number. Well, um, if you're a millennial like me, you don't like calling people. <laughs> and in general, that would um, deter me personally and I think a lot of other people from even calling to join a mailing list. So uh, I put in an ele- electronic request form on our website and uh, that's been really valuable for us. We've uh, generated about 1,900 leads in the last four years um, of new customers. And then to expand on that, Jake actually came up with the idea to, call, well, cold call. I mean, they showed an active interest, but cold call those leads prior to any sale that we have. So he actually takes all of those new customers that hadn't maybe purchased before, but showed an interest by joining our mailing list. And he calls them each individually prior to a sale to just say, hey, I saw you some interest in our program. We do have an offering coming up. Is there anything you're interested in? Is there a list that can make you? Can I help point you in the direction of what kind of cattle might fit your operation and learn a little bit more about them? And that in turn has helped him grow a really substantial customer list um, on his own, which is really good. Because my dad obviously has an established customer list. But those are also older um, generation and probably the generation of farmers and ranchers that might be moving out of the operation. Whereas Jake is now establishing a lot of customers that are the next generation, the next level of decision makers in their operation. And so um, that's been really cool to see. And it's a really cool process that has generated a lot of new sales and new customers um, for our operation and stuff. That, that's a cool one. I would get really excited about that one. Yeah, you said so much there that I wanted to just crack on. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> great thing of technology, um, something that can be difficult for some to do, especially when we've got multi-generations there. But it sounds like you guys found a whole way to do that and make it work for you guys. Like Google Calendar, I think anybody can work. And Google yeah. Classroom, I, haven't, I don't have much experience with that, but is it pretty similar to like Google Drive just... A little bit more communication. Yeah, it basically has the reason we liked it is it has like a news feed, so it's almost kind of like the old Facebook, you know, your wall. Um, and so uh, we it, we really liked that because it kind of comes down with the most recent things. Um, but then there's also a tab for classwork, so it is it was created obviously for an education based program, but it seems to fit the. Um, needs that we have also for the operation. And so we have a classwork tab where we can put documents and things that we want them to look at. Um, and it's an easy way to share, you know, that's another thing is catalog files are large files. It's really difficult to email large files. They get caught in junk folders. They don't get delivered. They bounce back. So that's a really easy way for me to share a large file um, and make sure that everybody is able to see it. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to have to check Google Classroom out more. I had not ever thought of using yeah. it that way. So that's, that's really yeah. Um, And then you talked a little bit about putting the site, like the email sign up or the catalog request form on your website. So let's talk a little bit more about that. That is, for one, you obviously had skills in marketing and doing that kind of thing prior to this role. Mm-hmm. What kind of... Um, how did how did that help you? What kind of advice do you have for people who are maybe also doing a similar role to you on the farmer ranch, but maybe don't necessarily have that background? Where what can they do to learn and think about things 
that they can do to help. I mean, that's 1,900 leads is a huge number for a seed stock operation to bring in there. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, the biggest thing that I can say there is uh, most of those people truly came from social media. We still do quite a bit of print advertising. And if you worked at all in uh, like with auction, there is a still kind of a system in place where you have to do print advertising in order to get certain ring service on big sale. Um, so that is, that's a large part of why we do print. Um, but I think we're definitely moving in a different direction from that. And a lot of our new leads, um, I would say we used to go back, we use print more as like an awareness marketing, like this is our sale date. This is what we're offering. This is where it's located. Um, and I think it worked really well for that. But I think as far as bringing in new customers and convincing them to take action, to click a link and uh, join a mailing list, it's uh, mostly through the social media. And that is something that I think it's such an underrated tool. I know there's a lot of people that are on social media or there's a lot of people that feel really strongly that they don't like social media. Um, but whether you like it or not, if you're running a business, I think it is such a valuable free tool that you can use. And it doesn't have to be as scary as uh, people think it is. You share things that are going to convince somebody to take action. And one of the biggest ways that I've done that is do not treat it like an advertisement. So um, our and our ranch page, I treat that uh, really kind of more like a lifestyle brand. Um, I share a lot about what we're doing. And basically that is just me going out and harassing the guys. They always, you know, kind of hide when I'm running around with my tripod. But I um, just go out and get video of whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing in the day. And I um, share that. And that really resonates with people seeing the behind the scenes instead of just here's what we're selling. Um, and I think that that's not only people get hung up. They don't know what to share that is going to convince somebody to, uh, you know, click a link and join a mailing list. But I think it's more just about sharing what's going on around you. People don't know, like you see it every day. Other people don't see it every day. And you are an expert in what you're doing because nobody else does that. You know, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to know what your neighbors are doing. You just have to know what you're doing. And because you're doing it, that makes it fast. That makes you an expert on it. Um, and I think that's how I know where people get hung up. They get very worried that they're not doing it the right way and they don't really want to show the world that. Um, but people really relate to that and end up wanting to do business with you because they understand more about what you do and see behind the scenes and see that you guys are walking the same as they work. They might find something they relate to. They might find something that inspires them and makes them want to uh, be a part of your organization, even if it's just as a customer. Um, and I think that is the biggest thing that anybody can do, whether you have marketing experience or not. And as far as creating, you know, a system to generate those leads, I did not use anything super technical. I had... I literally just went on dot form and created a free form. And up until up to 500 submissions, I think, was free. 
So uh, that doesn't require a big financial investment. It doesn't, it's a super easy form builder. It just gives you a link and you don't even need to have a website really. I would just share, I shared that link on just every post for a long time. Um, you know, if you want to join our mailing list, click here, share it in your story. If you want to join my mailing list, click here. Um, and it, it did it. You're amazed by how many people can just resonate with what you're saying or, uh, relate to what you're doing and, um, just really want to be a part of that. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that was a ton of value for anybody who is doing a role similar to your on the farmer ranch. And I think a lot of us who try to do or collect content have us can resonate with that feeling of people running away when they see you coming with your drives. Yeah. <laughs> Always that way, right? <laughs> uh, you have to bribe them or something. Give them snacks when you come so they don't always run the other way. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. So the other thing that you mentioned there is that you guys have other employees on the ranch. Um, what that already had they already scaled to that size before you guys came back or was that kind of a gradual process? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So when Jake and I came back, that was, they had already scaled. So when I, uh, the time between when I had graduated high school to when we came back was about eight years. And uh, in that time, my parents were really on an upward trajectory. You know, that was right around there was the um, really the peak of like kind of 2015 when cattle prices were really, really good, especially um, in these stocks. And so that allowed them, they really took advantage. Um, one of the things that they do is they look at cattle cycle and how it goes up and down and they really try to prepare themselves in the lows so that they can take advantage in the highs. And uh, that is something that they had started to implement before we came back. And so they had... I want to say three employees when we came back. So, um, and what that entails is uh, Craig Howard is our foreman. Uh, he has been here 17 years. So he has, um, you know, he was here before the scale. He was here when it was just him and my dad working. And he knows um, this place, like the back of his hand. He is such an asset and he uh, really understands the herd and how to work with cattle and just just really we're very fortunate that he is here and uh because of that he, we brought people in under him and so um that that has just really helped us scale to a larger number of bulls sold um you know and females on the operation and it's also just helped us you know in other areas we've expanded like i said to four or five sales per year there prep takes a lot of people um, and so having those extra hands has been really valuable. And um, we're actually currently still hoping to hire uh, another. So that would put five guys outside, including Jake. Um, and that is about what we need to run at to um, accomplish what we need to accomplish throughout the year. That's interesting. And I think you can get a lot done with five guys. So that's you guys are able to hire that support. Um one other thing I wanted to touch on before we kind of dive into more of the things you talk about on the basic ranch wife um, is your husband yeah. and his transition back. You said that he adapted really well. Um, what was the learning curve like for him as he became integrated into this role now? Yeah, so he 
he is just, I don't even know how to describe Jake. He is just, he's amazing, first of all. He, uh, yeah, he had come back basically before he decided to move. He had come for two weeks on his own in that summer and decided that he was going to help. So he kind of came and, and at least got a trial run of what it's like on their end. That being said, he did come in the summer, which is the easier part of the year. <laughs> you know, we were in South Dakota. Um, so winter is really where um, you kind of make or break yourself here. Uh, but yeah, he when he came back, like I said, he started as a disorientee and then bottom of the totem pole. He was, you know, the lowest guy here and he understood that. And um, I think he, his level of just motivation to learn and he still does that now. He has just this, like, hunger for learning new things he um right now he, like i said he's in charge of the feeding and the nutrition plan for the ranch so he does a lot right we just weaned calves a couple weeks ago which, as you know that's a really critical time to get them on feed um and so he manages actual the actual feeding every day right now and he's always listening to podcasts he listen to podcasts all day and then he's reading articles when he's not doing that um He's calling people and just talking to people what, what they do on their operation. He's very active in um, learning. And I really think that is where his uh, real success came from when we started. The first year was rough. He uh, really felt like he knew nothing. And that was very difficult feeling for him. Uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a guy. So he um, doesn't like to feel like he doesn't know what's going on or what he's doing. He's um, definitely a, I see the red. I don't know if you've ever done a colors assessment, FBI colors assessment. Mm -hmm. So um, he's very assertive. He's very um, quick. He's very um, vocal. So um, uh, an alpha, I guess. And so for him to feel like he was maybe not contributing to the level that everybody else was contributing in that first year, was really a struggle for him. But I also think that is what kind of lit his fire to keep going. And once he made it past that first year, um, he really started to grow into his role. Um, you know, he had kind of seen everything. He uh, had done at least every process once after that first year. You know, cattle is a cyclical cycle, so you only do things like once a year. Um, and so once he got through that first year and then seen it, he really kind of jumped on with getting better. And one of the big things that he did was, um, you know, I mentioned that Craig Howard's been here a really long time is he kind of just lapped on to Craig. And I'm, I'm sure Craig was like, oh my gosh, this guy, like just leave me alone. But um, no, he, he was calling him a lot. He would ask him, you know, could you stay after and help me with this? Like whether that was working with a horse or working with cattle or whatever it is, um, you know, whenever they did a job, he was like, Hey, did I do that well? Or did I, how could I improve on that? Um, he was constantly asking for feedback and same for my dad, you know, when it came to doing sales and meeting people and, and having these conversations, um, he would have my dad sit in the room and listen to him and say, and then, you know, he'd get down and say, was that good? Or was that what I've done? Like, how could I have asked differently? Um, and another thing that really helped him was he has a background in sales. So he, um, you know, was selling websites for a digital marketing company. And so he was basically walking in cold to these businesses to try and sell the website. 
And that um, really gave him a lot of good experience to bring into selling cattle and how to start conversations with people that maybe don't really want to talk to you. Um, but just to get them talking and at least open up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, and I see he's just constantly trying to learn. And now he's to a point where he really does well. And he's, um, you know, Craig's go-to guy outside, um, but he still just wants to get better. I mean, I, I still hear him asking for feedback on, on how he could improve or something didn't go well, what he could have done better to and that's something too that him and I talk through as far as working with other people. You know, sometimes he'll call me and be like, Hey, I had this situation with so and so. What how do you think I should handle that? Or what do you think I should say? Or how you know, um, and we'll kind of talk through it. That's one thing that makes him and I a really good team, I think, is that we're um very open to giving each other feedback, even if it's not what the other person wants to hear. Um, we're really good about telling them that and maybe a softer way, but um, so that it still gets the point across. And uh, he does the same for me, even though I usually really don't like to hear it, but he still <laughs> does it for me. And I'm very appreciative of that. So I think all of those factors have really made him um, into who he is today. And I think he will I have no doubt in my mind that he will do very well in the role that um, my dad has its big shoes to fill, but I, I think he can definitely fill them in his own way. That's so good. I think a lot of beginning farmers or people who are kind of transitioning back to farming listen to the podcast. So it, I think that's really important for them to hear that ability to find a mentor is critical, which luckily your husband had, Craig, and your dad to ask for that honest feedback getting that from. And I think that's a, a big opportunity we have in ag right now with so many producers who are coming in and either buying out the baby boomers who are retiring or getting an into ag for the first time. Like they need those mentors. Without that, it is so hard because you have no idea if you're doing good or not. <laughs> mm -hmm. So hard. But that yes, I, for I is really important that you said that he listens to podcasts all the time. And yeah, if you don't, have that hunger to learn even in that first really hard year where you're doing everything for the first time it's hard to get yeah. it yeah you definitely have to be able I would say the biggest thing is you definitely have to be able to put your ego aside and your pride and just know that you're going to do things wrong and you will learn so much more from doing them wrong than doing them right the first time um and I you know trust the process I, we've learned so much just from the process and I think we are better for having left or in my case, or not being here at all, like Jake and then coming rather than maybe being here the whole time, because we, we came in with a fresh set of eyes and, um, a, you know, a really interesting perspective, you know, like even for Jake, one of the things that he did that I think made everybody else here better was he was always asking why, well, why do you do that? Cause he's never been a part of egg. So there was, he had to learn everything. He had to learn why we were doing all these things. Well, he'd keep asking me why. And sometimes it would be like, well, I don't really know why. And so we'd maybe rework it or like, why are we doing it that way when we couldn't do it this way? Um, it, he just really kind of, his presence really instigated a lot of conversation and um, either reiterated why we're doing something like, yes, this is 
the right way that for us, not the right way in general, but the right way for our operation, um, because it works or maybe, maybe there is a better way, or maybe we don't even need to be doing this at all. You know, there's a lot of ways to get stuck on a, um, multi-generational operation or an operation in general. Uh, you know, we do it this way because we've always done it this way. Um, and I think that is such a huge problem in a, um, it really stifles growth and it really limits your ability to expand and, uh, just be better in the future because you're so focused on the past. Um, and I'm not to say you shouldn't honor your past. I think there's a lot of things that could be honored. Um, my grandparents started the phrase and there's so much value in that and the lessons that they learned that we didn't have to learn because they did it before us but also value in being innovative and thinking differently and doing things with, like I said, a fresh perspective um, just to keep growing and moving forward. Absolutely. That new voice or that voice that's just like, well, what what is the point here? It's going to be so valuable if you haven't looked at those things for so long just because it's right in nature to everyone. Thank you so much for sharing a lot of the details about your guys' ranch and your operation. I think a lot folks are just hungry for insight into other people's operations and how they're finding success. So I really appreciate you sharing the behind the scenes there. I want to dive in more to what you've been sharing online at the basic ranch white panel. First, a lot of humor, a lot of um, things I find inspiring about like finding who you are on the ranch and finding who you are just as in relation to ag. So tell us more about kind of your mission there and what you like to talk about. Yeah. So um, the basic ranch farm is really different than uh, what I care for the ranch. Um, you know, the ranch is very professional. And I kind of, I created that page about a year ago. And at the time it was more like as a fun outlet. You know, I really like creating and um, I have three little kids and so sometimes all I have time to create is like a one for school. So um, it was a really fun way for me to just kind of share my humor and maybe bring smiles to people um, and things like that. Uh, but the real, what it's developed into and what I've learned about myself along the way is why I, I truly wanted to share, maybe didn't know it consciously at the time was that um, you know, growing up, I said earlier, I really kind of struggled to feel like I fit in agriculture or um, the Western community, um, to say, per se, um, just because I always felt kind of different. Uh, I, you know, had different interests. I didn't necessarily just like egg. I liked a lot of things. I was really into musicals. I um really loved learning and like just being smart and education and new things. And um, I really wanted to experience a lot of new things. And I think that in a way made me kind of an outsider. And um, now that I'm older, I think that was more because it was maybe a little scary for people uh, to think differently or, or be different. Um, and so leaving the ranch after high school is really valuable for me because I was able to get some experience and meet a lot of people and um, really become comfortable with who I was as a person and to see that uh, being different is not a detriment. It is a value. Um, It's a huge value. It's that it's, 
you know, what makes you unique, what makes you perfectly suited to live whatever life you're living. It doesn't have to be on a farm or ranch. Um, being different is really just, you know, it just, it's what makes you you. You don't want to blend in. You don't want to be the same as everybody else. You um, want to be different. And so once I kind of learned that, um, coming back was a lot easier. I was really nervous about it um, because I still felt like maybe I was 16 and I wasn't really going to fit again um, and, you know, where my place was going to be. But I I found that, you know, I came back and I found this role and this job that I really love. And I became a mom and I really just became very comfortable with who I am here and on the ranch and just who I am um, inside as well. And so the big reason I think that I created that page was because I know there's a lot of women in ag that feel that way. Um, I know there's a lot of wives and moms or daughters, you know, you don't even have to be married, that just feel maybe a little off, like they just don't quite fit. They maybe don't know what their role is. I know what it's like to be on an operation and maybe you work off farm or maybe you're just a stay-at-home mom or maybe you're just cooking meals. Um, And to feel like you really don't have a part of what is going on on the operation. Um, And maybe you're not the best at riding horse or sorting help, which I'm like, I constantly call myself a mediocre ranch fan. Like if I get outside, I am not, not super helpful. I'm probably more harmful than anything, but I try. So, um, and I, um, I know there's a lot of women who feel the same way. And so that space is really just about being inclusive and no matter what your differences are, how good or not good you are at something or how much you're outside or not outside. Um, you still have a place and you still have value and your job still helps keep the wheels turning on your operation or in your life. Um, and uh, it, it's more about a place to belong and to find, you know, just some joy, you know, ranch, ranching and farming is so hard. And there's so many times when you're out there and it just is like real defeating because it's a hard day or things didn't go well or you're not getting along you know, husband and wife or, or mom and dad or people around you. Um, and I think that looking at the glass a little half full and maybe turning those moments into something funny is um, a really good way to get through them and to see the value in the journey and the beauty in what you're doing, um, even if it doesn't feel super beautiful or glamorous at the time. That's so special. I think the value that you provide there is incredible. And I know that takes a lot of time for you to do. So I'm so I just want to say thank you for putting that voice out there into the world for other people. And I want to say the basic ranch mom, thank you for saying that and correcting me. I think I said it the basic ranch wife several times. So we'll make sure we get it right in the show notes so people find you. No, you're fine. And honestly, that it, it is kind of a, uh, it's one of those things where when I started sharing, I really thought I was going to share um, a lot of mom life. And I, um, I kind of, I, I pivoted on that because I, I learned pretty early on that I wasn't super comfortable sharing a lot about my really little kids. Um, and so I kind of shifted to a lot more brand swipe stuff. So that is an honest mistake. <laughs> um, yes, it is the basic grandfather is what it's called, but yeah, it's a lot of ranch wife things. So. For sure. For sure. Well, I think behind any time there's somebody who is taking the time to put out that content into the world and, and give a voice 
to people who feel that way. There's a big passion and a big fire behind that. So I want to know lately, what's got you fired up? What is the thing that you're most excited to be talking about there? Um, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of things in egg that, you know, get me fired up in both directions. Yeah. I, from like a positive standpoint, um, I'm really excited right now about the markets and how strong everything is. Uh, we spent a lot of years prior to this and, you know, just kind of like a margin crunching scenario. Everybody was looking to cut the tiny amounts of costs and increase margins by a tiny amount because you were just getting a sliver off the top. Um, and that is such a struggle to uh, live that way. So to see where the markets are going and we're seed stock, you know, so we're not directly getting market prices, but our customers are, we have, most of our customers are commercial customers. And so to see that um, and to see them being successful and, you know, getting the rewards of a lot of hard work and a lot of years of just scraping by, um, I find that very, very exciting. And um, I hope that that and continues, you know, the market's always up and down, but um, hopefully the down isn't as hard um, in the next few years, hopefully. Um, Prostrate. You know, yeah, let's have a soft landing and yeah. things like crashing. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, there's always things that get me real fired up on an negative side, but, um, you know, lately it's, it's a lot of the talk about um cattle and climate change has really been something that i've uh i don't talk about every day on that page but i do kind of try to move or put in there and um just because i think that narrative is just really misguided um and i think it comes from a lot of people who just don't have real experience in what we're doing or seeing they see a small picture on the internet um and that's what they go with um, and, and so that's been a real struggle. You know, the big thing now is talking about factory farms. I posted a reel just the other day about, um, how technically our ranch would be considered a factory farm, um, with, it's so frustrating to me because our cattle, we have them out on grass and we have a, a lot of pasture land that they are in, um, for as long as we can possibly keep them out there. So this year it was a little bit later because we did have a really rough spring, but from May until probably December, they will be out not pasture. Um, unless they're getting ready to cab. I mean, we obviously bring everything in. And so that's another thing is, you know, when we are bringing them in, it's more for a safety standpoint. We don't want these calves worn out in the snow or the cold, um, getting sick. And so, um, you know, from that standpoint, it's just, an, I think it's just really important um, to share your story. And I think that's part of what I'm trying to do um, as well is to just show like people who maybe don't understand, people who don't have access to a farm or ranch every day. Um, look, this is this is 97% of farming ranches are family owned that had pasture ground. We're not feedlots. We're not, um, you know, abusing animals. We're not, uh, you know, we're not apathetic to what is happening to our animals. We care more than we probably did a lot of the time. Um, and so I think it's really valuable to share those things with people, um, even in the hopes that it'll just meet, you know, it'll just find at least a small number of consumers, a small number of people that will quit believing what, um, you know, maybe an animal activist group is putting out there or a, um, you know, an 
a false news article um, or a skewed news article anyway, um, which I feel like most of them are anymore. But, uh, um, you know, just sharing, I, I find that really valuable. I know a lot of, I follow a lot of women that share too, you know, during calving season, like they have calves in their bathtub. Like keep doing that. That is so valuable for people to see like you caring so much for this calf that you're bringing it into your home and caring for it in, in such a manner. Um, I think just share, like people get scared to share those things, share those things. That's the only way that you're going to turn that narrative around is to show people what you are doing. Um, it's, it's just invaluable in my opinion. Absolutely. So you touched a couple things there. I think one that is important for us to bring attention to is the markets. Yes, it's great where we're at right now, but as you mentioned earlier, it's very cyclical. There are going to be ups and downs. We can see that on yeah. charts. It's a map we can predict. Like it's there. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people forget when we have these high years and they see those big numbers and those big checks from people yeah. that are you know selling cows at the sale barn or whatever is that the input cost is the same in those really low years as it is in those really high years or sometimes it's even more. Um, and so what we get paid, regardless, it, it doesn't affect the amount of work that we do. Like we're still out there doing the same exact thing, whether we're making record profits or record losses. Yes. That's what's so defeating. Yeah, I, oh. it is. And I think um, that's something that's really important for all of us in the industry to remember too, like times are good right now, but also you need to prepare yourself. There is going to be a turn down. There always is. It's the same with corn. Farmers deal with the same thing on the other side, usually inverse of each other. But yes, um, it's the same kind of cycle. And so the best thing I think you can do for your operation and your family is just to be prepared in those situations, prepare during the high times for the lows. And then when you're in the lows, prepare for the highs. Um, do the most that you can to capitalize on those highs and do the most that you can to minimize on those lows. And then, you know, where everybody else's curve is going like this, maybe yours is a little more on the straight and narrow. Um, I think that's just that's a valuable lesson, um, just in general economics that people can try to remember um, during those years. Absolutely. And then you mentioned about how the factory farming and the cattle affecting the environment is such a hot topic right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's been kind of out there probably for about 10 or 15 years, and it just seems to keep recycling and growing. And honestly, when they started talking about cows and methane and affecting it, I swear they like spun a pinwheel or something and picked cows. Like it makes no logic sense why we are concerned about the cows versus the dogs in the world of it just it's I know blasphemous but I know and and nobody brings in to like talk about how much carbon they're sequestering by like being in a pasture like the amount of of um you know grassland residue that they're pushing back into the dirt you know the manure that's fertilizing the dirt there's so many processes that cattle naturally do that are improving the land that they are on that um, we kind of seem to ignore. And it's, it's, and then, you know, then the problem too is a lot of those numbers get so skewed. You know, you factor in how many emissions come from cattle. Well, when they do that, they factor in 
trucking of cattle, you know, they, they factor in feeding, you know, how many emissions come out of your tractor when you're feeding all these different things. But then when they look at a car, they only factor in how much the car emits. How does that make any sense? That's like taking an apple and an orange and putting them on the same scale. That doesn't oh, work. So helpful. Not. <laughs> oh, gosh. The And I think it's interesting that we never talk about that it's for a purpose either. Like, yes, there are emissions, yeah. but there's a reason for it. And that's to feed people. So if you want to stop all that, then sure. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then I, I love what you said about corporate or factory farming and how that is such a misconstrued term. We have people on the cast sometimes that bring up that term and how, you know, they're choosing to address more regenerative practices or practices that they feel are more um, focused on smaller things and things like that. And it's just that's what I love about getting to have these conversations is we can have multiple pieces of the spectrum and realize that, you know, we can have these conversations that bring together these ideas. It's not, yeah. you know, one is wrong, one is right. It's a spectrum. There's going to be things at all sizes and all scales, and all of them are trying to create a stronger food system. Yeah, exactly. I think the best thing we can do in egg is to um, kind of quit fighting amongst ourselves and to try and row the boat in the same direction. Um, you know, I, Jake and I constantly talk about how we feel sometimes our biggest enemy in the agriculture industry is ourselves. Um, you know, we're constantly kind of, you know, oh, you do it differently. Well, that's not the right way. Um, you know, all the ways, whether they are different or not, are right for someone. Um, you know, unless, of course, you are abusing animals, then that's not right. We don't want that people, but that is a, you know, very, very, very small amount. Yes. Um, but what works for one person may not work for another person. And I think that's so huge to remember. Um, we were just, last year, we were in a class um, with Red Angus that was called Learning from the Best. And um, you basically spent every month learning from different Red Angus producers. And every single one of them found success but every single one of them found success in a different way using different practices. And I thought that was so invaluable to learn and to see that what works for one person doesn't work for the next person and that we could all just be working together, like you said, to create a better food system, to create, you know, better markets, things that just improve agriculture in general and put us on an upward trend instead of fighting amongst ourselves and kind of tearing ourselves down from within. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that comes from within ourselves, too, like you mentioned about not being sure where you fit in. Um, I talked about this on a recent podcast episode, too, but just remembering that anyone who is involved in production agriculture is less than 2% of the population. Like, it doesn't matter what it looks like for you specifically. If you are touching production ag, you are such a niche, small group. So you should be proud of what you're doing there, regardless of what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for coming on the podcast. You shared so much value in multiple aspects of that. <laughs> I feel like our listeners care about. So thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you and learn more and follow along? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to be on here and had such a great conversation. Uh, yeah. And 
So the Bane Pace place you can find me right now is um, on Instagram. If you want to follow the Basic Grades Bump, it's at the Basic Grades Bump. Um, and our business page is at Bieber Red Angus. So that's B-I-E-B-E-R Red Angus, just like Justin Bieber. Um, and then also uh, there, the website for the ranch is com. And um, pretty soon in the works, there is also a Basic Ranch Bomb website coming through the internet year year. So you can look for that soon. You can follow my Instagram page to find out when that launches. That's so exciting. A website, that's a big undertaking, but that'll be awesome when it's out there and live in the world. Good. Well, be sure to check Kristen out on those different platforms, learn about more about what she's doing and join the conversation. Thanks so much, Kristen. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or join the conversation on social media. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss or know someone with a story to share? Apply to be a guest on the podcast at farmingonpurpose.com. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, on your favorite social media platforms for more content by searching for Farming on Purpose. And remember, if you look around your table and aren't inspired by the people there, it's time to find a new seat.